Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton and this is The Detail. Today, making the world a friendlier place for autistic people, be it supermarkets introducing quiet hours. You've got the smells, you've got the lights, you've got the music, you've got the rustling of the plastic, you've got the trolleys. Uh, for a parent of a child with autism myself, thinking back 10 years ago, um, it was a very stressful situation. Or just famous folk on the autism spectrum. That we need people who think outside the box and who aren't like everyone else. We're certainly hearing more about autism, but there's still a lot of confusion out there. First of all, let's get one thing straight. Asperger's syndrome or autism, the spectrum, is not a mental illness, is it? No, it's not. It's, uh, it's autism in and itself. Um, so some of the comments that we're hearing from some of the commentators are actually quite ignorant and quite offensive to our community. I've had people tell me that kid just needs a good smack. Sort your kid out. God, you're a really crap parent, aren't you? Um, strangers? Yes, strangers. You've probably heard about Greta Thunberg, the Nobel Peace Prize-nominated 16-year-old Swedish climate activist who started the School Strike for Climate movement. You might have also heard... I have... Asperger's, I'm on the autism spectrum, so I don't really care about social codes yeah. in that way. In fact, you called your Asperger's, you called it a superpower, a gift. Yes. Um, in some circumstances, it can definitely be an advantage to be neurodiverse because, because that makes you different, that makes you think differently. Greta Thunberg's spot on the autism spectrum puts her in the company of some familiar faces. Anne Hegarty, the governess from the English quiz show The Chase, has been vocal about her Asperger's. I was aware right from when I was a child that something was very unusual about me. I mean, I was going to see child psychiatrists by the time I was six. Um, nobody could put a label on it. They just said I was maladjusted. In those days, people didn't realise that autism was a spectrum. This wasn't discovered until about the 1990s. She played the should awkward girl who hid behind the glasses in the blockbuster pain. Steel Magnolias. We should all be rejoicing. But this morning, Daryl Hannah reveals that shyness on screen wasn't all an act. The actress says as a child, doctors diagnosed her with autism. I think on, on a very drawn-out scale, I think I'm on, this, on the spectrum. At age 60, Jerry Seinfeld is diagnosing himself as being on the autism spectrum. Add to that list Scottish singer Susan Boyle and even the guy who invented Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri. It's estimated 1 in 59 people sit somewhere on the autism spectrum. Dane Dugan is the head of Autism NZ. What is autism? So um, there's a pretty famous saying, and I think this is always, I always start with this. You've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. So, But if you have to, or if we try to, essentially it's just a different way of seeing the world and the brain is just wired slightly differently. So if you then break it down to the general traits, um, there could be issues with obviously sensory type overloads. So too many lights, too much noise, too many people. And uh, sort of the, um, I guess, lower needs end, there are some... Um, there can be some social, or they struggle in social settings sometimes, so they don't understand body language and that type of stuff. And then the very high ends needs, you still, it could be sort of your 24-7 care for the rest of your life. But essentially it's just a different way of seeing the world. For us, it's not about trying to stop autism whatsoever. We embrace it and, and we, and we um, celebrate autism. For us it's about trying, trying to make sure how we can ensure our community can live the best lives they can possibly live. Um, but to take a step back to answer your question, I guess it's a developmental disorder 
um, and it just means your brain develops differently, has different connections, and, and how that manifests in one person could be different in the next. So that's our challenge. It's really difficult to put that in a nutshell. You say it's just, just a different way that the brain functions. Do you think society views it as that, or is society still seeing it as a disorder? I've been in this job for six years, and I had no link to autism when I started, so I learned a lot when I started in this job. My honest take on it is I think most people have heard of autism now, but I still don't think there's great understanding. So for us now, yes, we've moved, and yes, I think we see people celebrating autism more. If you look at the likes of Greta Thunberg, it's a good example recently. It was quite clearly she had feedback both sides, very positive towards her and some ill-informed comment obviously but mm, um, some of those ill-informed comments actually saying it's a mental illness yeah and that came from world leaders which is scary in and itself but um i think we've come a long way as society i think we're seeing more understanding and i think these not just countdown but certainly countdowns um, of this world who are looking to do a quiet hour um, we've trained up a number of other organizations as well uh, or helped them set up a space that's not a quiet hour necessarily but just giving them training on the best way to interact with our community um, we're seeing more and more of that. So I think that shows we are heading in the right direction, but there's still a lot of work to do. Countdown stores have today turned their lights down, shut off music and announcements, and even sent some staff off its floors to make it easier for people with autism to brave the supermarket. Those quiet hours have come as a massive relief to people like Megan Stokes. She works for Autism New Zealand as well, and her 20-year-old son Connor is autistic. Walking through, I mean, the first thing you notice is that it's bright, I guess. Bright. What What else in here is likely to cause problems or Just discomfort? Just of that noise. I met Megan at an Auckland countdown during a normal, busy, bright, loud shopping hour. You know, can you hear that those machines are working in there? Yeah, the, the bakery or something's yeah, yeah. humming away. So that's just, that, that for somebody on the spectrum might come at them at 100 miles an hour. So as you and I are talking, that noise might be just as loud as you and I talking. Those lights might be flickering. See, for someone on the spectrum, because they're fluorescent lights in there, even though they've got covers on them, they flicker. Megan says she knew something was different about Connor from when he was just a baby. Doctors, less so. So they kept saying his, he was not meeting his developmental milestones because he's got glue air and he's got reflux and so all his energy is going on you know all of that stuff rather than developing normally but you know mum's no best as they say and I just kept saying no and so then when he was probably three by three if he hasn't you know if they haven't started talking by three then they more or less start going okay so we have to look at something else so we did we got grommets and then the, the lovely specialist said oh we have to take him home and you know, bring him back in three weeks, and he'll be he'll be chatting. I brought him back in three weeks, and I went, he's not chatting. Yeah. And he said, oh, uh, okay, so you've got to look at something else. It'll be something else. And I said, well, what do you think it could be? He said, I have no idea. And we went to two paediatricians, and because they weren't specialised with autism, they weren't happy to diagnose, so then we went to someone else. So basically they go, oh, your kid's got autism. So I uh, just paid a nice lady at reception on the way out, and we'll see you later. That's basically what it's like. Once the diagnosis was there, was it a relief or was it... It was a relief. It's a double-edged sword, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because you are happy to know that it's something, but then you don't really know what that means. I mean, you know, sort of 16 years ago when we found out, because he's 20 now, you know, it was still quite... People would say, well, what, what's autism? How has his autism presented itself over the years? You would know within five minutes to one, not even five minutes of talking to Connor. So he stims a lot. He what, sorry? Stims. What's that? So stimming is like, for Connor, he spins at 100 miles an hour. Like, you, he could probably decapitate someone he spins that fast. I'm not lying. It's like... As in physically, physically spins? Physically spins. Right. Yeah, I probably have videos I could show you. would be like, wow. 
So we don't even see that at home, but that's how he releases his energy. So if he's been somewhere and we've had to, you know, and he's kept it together, he'll go home and he'll spin. And it's not, it's not good for him to do that. But that's he, and, he, and he's not dizzy. So we go, Connor, that's enough now. And he'll just go, okay, and walk away. He's not dizzy. So some simulation he hates. So he, he doesn't particularly like coming into the supermarket, but he craves that. So that's like a sensory need for him. So they talk about like a sensory need. This would be a sensory overload, but at home, that spinning is a sensory need. Attention staff and customers, we're just about to start our quiet hour. Thank you for shopping at Countdown 3 Lights off, music gone, no noisy trolleys, shelf stocking or store announcements, and even the checkout volume is lowered. So the other day when we did go to uh, the quiet hour at Countdown, Connor and I, it was just amazing how chilled he was. And how did it look when you were at the quiet hour? It was just what dark. Was different? All the lights were off. Not all of them, but they did have some lights on, but it wasn't, um, wasn't like it would normally be. So for us, when Connor was little, we used to go to a supermarket that had an underground car park. Now, I didn't know, but he doesn't like underground par car parks. They freak him out. So he would immediately scream the minute we drove into that supermarket, into that driveway, and he would just scream the whole way around. Every time we went, I would dread going, I would get anxious about going. He would probably pick up on my anxiety. So I wouldn't prepare him for it because I would say, oh, I won't tell him, I'll just take him and then we'll just deal with it when we're there. When we're there. That didn't work. So I tried him in the trolley, that didn't work. I tried him right in the big trolley, like, and I just packed the groceries around him. And that kind of worked for some reason. And now I think I know that worked because he could feel the weight of the stuff on top of him and he liked that weight and made him feel a bit safer. But if I let him out of the trolley, that was it. He was gone. What do you think it's going to mean for parents, like yourself, yeah. I guess, when, particularly yeah. when Connor was younger, to yeah. have an option like what oh. Countdown's doing now, where it's just an hour a week where yeah. they just tone things down? What yeah, would that mean? I think it'll, be, it'll mean that maybe they can normalise their lives a little, being able to do the things that other families take for granted. And then also we have adults. We have a lot of adults that can't cope with grocery shopping. So for them, they've really picked up on that you know I'm getting emails from people going oh so pleased to see Countdown are having a quiet hour and you know it's out west now and I live out west and like it's a relief it's a relief because you imagine living in a world where your senses are attacked on a daily basis like like all like at 100 miles an hour you'd be exhausted. Countdown says there's already been positive feedback and it's not being quiet about it. It's spreading the word that Quiet Hour kicked off nationwide today from 2.30 to 3.30pm, except it's two metro city stores in Auckland and Wellington. And what about beyond that, though? Because I'm thinking now that you've mentioned those things with the lights, with the sounds, everywhere, shopping malls would be a no-go. Yeah, I mean, is yeah. there more that could be done oh, to I make everything more think, accessible? Yeah, and so I, th I think that would be... If um, some shopping centres do the same thing, have an hour a week where everything is just dimmed, everything is just quiet, it would, I think it would make a massive difference. Just to show the acknowledgement that it's difficult because we make allowances for people who are blind, who are in wheelchairs, you know, who are deaf, everyone's trying to make allowances for those people. I don't think anyone's having any fun. You know, it's not a good situation, so that mum isn't going, yeah, throw a tantrum, I love it when you do that. She's embarrassed and she's struggling, and so just offer help rather than be judgy is what I always think. For my way of thinking, it wasn't, wasn't helpful. I would be bolshy and tell the people to mind their own business, but then cry all the way home in the car. Because it's just gut-wrenching. You know, you're struggling and then someone has, has something to say about it.
So I think it's great if we can have more quiet hours and there is more, and it's just like a normal thing. You know, like you have your wheelchair ramp, so yeah, we have quiet hour, and this is when our quiet hour is like, so someone could ring up and say, oh, when is your quiet hour? And it wouldn't be, what is a quiet hour? It would just be, oh yes, so our quiet hour is, because it would be great if that was the norm. I'd say that's a long way off, but it would be fantastic. More and more people that are neurodiv- neurodiverse yeah. are treating it as a, almost a positive, you know, it's, it's not a... Negative, a negative, yeah. it's just a, the brain works differently. That's what I was going to say. Love Do you that. like that or Absolutely. does that diminish the so, trouble? So Greta will still have issues. She will still have struggles and challenges. But then you might have some challenges as well, you know what I mean? So neurotypical people also have challenges. It's just for somebody on the spectrum it might be more obvious. So sometimes I've seen Greta and she looks quite terrified with all that, all that stream of people around her. She can, you know, she can look a little bit scared sometimes so but I think she's amazing I she's probably would awesome. be too standing at the exa- there you go there you go but, yeah. yeah yeah so I think uh, yeah there's a lot of benefit for somebody who has autism and if it's able to be celebrated and then that's only going to show other people that's nothing to be ashamed of because there's probably a class of not a class of people but there'll be people out there who suspect they have autism but won't take it any further because they might be embarrassed is there a benefit to them, if they're functioning day to day, do you think there's a benefit to them exploring? I think for them it just educates them. They can go, you know what, I actually don't like office parties after hours. I'm good. I just like to go to work and then I like to go home and put my headphones on and blob out and game. You know, and, the, and knowing that that's okay because that's who they are as a person and they're never going to like that. You know, so for some people I just think it empowers them to know themselves better. In New Zealand there's no stats. So the government doesn't hold stats. Dane from Autism NZ again. My opinion as to why is one, um, if they were to do that, I think they'd find there's way more people diagnosed than what they think. Two, diagnosis is not standardised, so it's all over the place. So we're currently doing some research on that now. We're just analysing the data now to, to, to show or to prove what we hear in the community all the time, that it's inconsistent. If you were to move from Auckland to Invercargill, there'd be a different process that you go through to get diagnosed, potentially. And even within Auckland, and why is it's a that? different process. Just expand on that. Oh, well, I guess autism is a relatively new diagnosis compared to others. Um, so I think we're still trying to get our head around how to do it. And it's a subjective test. So it's not objective. You can't go in and take a blood test and say, yep, you, you've got autism. I said earlier that diagnosis is becoming less important. Um, however, sometimes having that diagnosis put things into perspective. I asked a... Um, when I first started in this job, I asked a lady who was diagnosed, I think, at 50 years old, and I asked her, genuinely asked her, this was, I would never ask this now, mm-hmm. um, did it matter that she was diagnosed at 50? And for her, she said, yeah, it meant everything to her because it put her whole life into perspective. So she understood why things were the way they were for her. I was going to ask about that because what's the point of a diagnosis if it's not necessarily impacting your day-to-day? Yeah, so I guess firstly it's support. So if a diagnosis opens a door to support, then that's probably the most important like, well, in, in our opinion, it's the most important thing. If we can help families or if we can help people um, who are autistic get the support without a diagnosis, then that's fine. I think as a society, some people want to know reasons why things are maybe different, and having a diagnosis can help with that. And I think that's really important. I don't think we can downplay the importance of that. At the same time, it's up to the families. At the end of the day, if they're happy and, and, and if the child's getting the support that they need, 
probably a diagnosis isn't overly critical. But currently, as it sits in our system, a diagnosis is important. Um, again, it's a spectrum, right? So I think everything I always say and everything our, our organisation always talks about is, is it's a spectrum. It's almost like a circle of need these days, I think it's called, where you know, you've got to focus on that particular person and that particular individual's need and then put a plan in place for that person. Yeah, the flip side of all of what you just said as well is I, what I said earlier was sensory overload, right? So people, noise, lights, and what Countdown is doing is great, and that will work for a lot of our community. We run the small employment program in Auckland up here, and it's funded by MSD. And um, one of the first people we placed went into fashion retail. She really liked fashion retail. And that challenged our own assumptions on that because fashion retail is noise, people, lights, everything we thought would not work. The process you go to get a job can be quite daunting for anyone. Right, let alone if someone has autism. So an interview, um, everyone gets a little bit anxious generally going to an interview, a job interview. Our community, that can be personified quite a bit. So what we try to do is, is take that out of the equation. So rather than doing an interview, uh, interview, again, it's more informal. It's an assessment of skills, making sure that the workplace understands that, look, you could have a really, really valuable employee here, and you can. Like Our community can be really, really loyal, and if they find a job they like, they'll stay at it for a long, long time. Um, if we get the environment right. So there might be times where, yep, um, in any setting that you still might get sensory overload, so you might just need to get out of that environment for 10, 15 minutes and calm down. And if you have a workplace that understands that, and we provide them with a little bit of training and understanding of what autism might look like, then that creates a better environment for everyone. And and, and you're getting, uh, as as I said, a a really good employee. And a perfect example of this is... um, I know of a of a lady who's got like two or three different degrees, super smart, and um, she her job is a part time filing clerk. But that's great; she loves it because she goes in. It's the same thing every single day. It's routine. It's it gives her a sense of self worth. It gives her a, a it gives her a living. And if she feels like and she's quite social, this person, so it's not like she's not a social person. But there are times where she doesn't want to speak. So if that's the case, she doesn't have to. Um, if she wants to speak, she can go and talk to people as well. You mentioned a few high-profile names before. Is it beneficial to have people like Greta Thunberg speaking about her autism, or is that a problem because it is such a diverse condition and one size doesn't fit all? Yeah, I think it's beneficial if you put it in context. So I think someone like Greta, it's amazing she's doing what she's doing, and, and I think, as I said, she said it herself, her, her autistic traits and her autism allows her to focus on an area she wants to focus on and her area is climate change, which is cool. But the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. What that allows us to do as an organisation, hopefully as a society, is start the conversation. And hopefully people realise and we can get the understanding out there that, yep, Greta is is one person and, and she's potentially can go on and do some amazing things. She was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, so she's probably going to go and do amazing things. Versus, we still need to put that in context around those who will need um, 24-7 care for the rest of their lives. So so for us it's helpful because it starts a conversation and then we can start having these conversations around the fact that, yeah, it's great she's doing what she's doing and we want to celebrate what she's doing, but let's not forget there is a lot of people out there that need help and support that possibly aren't getting it. And hopefully by being able to have that conversation we can create change. And there's something big in the works in Wellington. Next year, Autism NZ hopes to open the country's first autism centre, a one-stop shop for those new to the spectrum. We can provide diagnosis potentially out of it um, and hopefully speed that up because there's wait lists, there's significant wait lists around the country. It's different in each area, but there's significant wait lists up to three years in some areas, which is pretty 
critical three years. But as importantly, if not more importantly, is link that person or that family directly to support. It's going to be quite a unique space, we hope. It's certainly coming coming along that way. And um, also in the building, we hope to be able to lease it out to other service providers. So rather than, if I put it in a Wellington context, rather than having to go to Porirua to get your speech-language therapy and then to Wellington City to get your uh, occupational behaviour therapy and then back out to the hut just just to talk to Autism New Zealand or whatever, it can all be in one building and it can create hopefully one pathway for a family because right now they get three or four, potentially three or four different paths so each therapist or each group will give a different pathway what we're trying to say is right come in let's all work together with this family or this adult and give them one journey which is going to make hopefully life a lot easier for them to understand what they need to be going and the supports that they should be getting and what they need to do so they can go on to live to their full potential at the end of the day it's just trying to speed everything up and try to give people the tools to live the best life they can That's The Detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Rangi Poak and produced by Alexia Russell. Our associate producer is Keitaki Masalamini. Kakite anō. Ka